Lord, we thank you once again today for the opportunity to study your word. And, and Lord, uh, uh, the opportunity we have just to sit before you and have you speak to our hearts. And Lord, as we're able to watch the church, the early church, form and as we're able to watch them function, God, again, I just pray that it would impact our lives. And, and Lord, that God, we would be changed today because of your word. That you would penetrate deep within our souls, Lord, your truth that would, would give us courage in times of trouble and, and, and in times of, of resistance, that it would, it would bring us peace when our world seems to be in turmoil. And God, that it would, it would uh, lighten our hearts when, when we're sad. So God, we, we do want... We want to be impacted by you today. We don't want to just read stories or, or listen to uh, something going on. We want our lives to be changed. As we read about lives in the 21st century that are changed forever, we want our lives changed forever. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, at the end of chapter 14, we're coming to the end of that first missionary journey. And listen, I think it's important that we, we kind of reflect. Remember when we started in Acts chapter 13 and we started on that journey and the church at Antioch came together and they set apart uh, 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 Paul and Barnabas and, and got ready to send them out on that first missionary journey. And, and I, just, I, I, I like just thinking about that and how much excitement there must have been and, and, and anticipation I don't think just for Paul and, and Barnabas, but I think for the whole church. Like, what is really going to happen on this? And then they, remember, they, they left Antioch, they sailed across the Mediterranean, went west to the island of Cyprus, and then kind of went across the island of Cyprus. We, did, we didn't read about a whole bunch happening there, except, remember towards the end, they had the proconsul who was coming to the Lord, and there was that sorcerer, Elimaeus, and he kind of met some opposition, and that got dealt with pretty quick. That was like, oh... That's done and over with and got dealt with, right? And then they sailed from the western end there of Cyprus and up to the mainland, right? Today would be Turkey, but up into Asia Minor. And we've talked about that's a whole area of Galatia. And they landed in Perga, kind of. And after they landed, if you remember, that's where John Mark left them and said, I'm done. Now, again, we don't know why. We don't know what the circumstances were. There, there's lots of speculation. Some of the speculation is he was a mama's boy and wanted to go home. And, you know, and I think, yeah, that's probably not cool to say when you have to meet him in heaven and talk to him about that. But who knows why Mark left? It's something. But here's what I do know. It made Paul pretty angry. Whatever it was kind of set Paul off, and we're going we're gonna to read more about that in a couple weeks, but worked in Paul, and then, and then there's a lot of speculation that that's where Paul got sick, maybe with, with typhoid fever, something happened, but something happened that kind of changed his, his uh, physical condition, and then they went from there, and he went up to Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, so kind of went north and went to Pisidian Antioch, and remember the ministry there? It was going okay, and, and things were going well, and then they kind of turned against him. The Jews wanted him out of there, so remember when they left, they shook the dust off their feet? And they took off out of there. Then they went a little bit east. As they're going east, they, come, they came to Iconium, began to share the gospel again. God began to do things. And those people got angry with them. And it's always weird to me, you know. And, and it was the religious people. It wasn't, it wasn't like the civil authorities. It was the Jews in the synagogue. 
And remember, they plotted to kill them. They were going to stone them. And Paul and, and Barnabas got word of that. So they left Iconium and, and they kind of went just a little bit south and kind of south-southeast. And, and they went to Lystra. And when they came to Lystra, they healed that guy. Woo! Right? Ministry's going good. And, and then the people wanted to worship them as gods. And Paul and Barnabas goes, that's not really a good idea because we're just like you. And kind of explained all of that. And they continued to do ministry. And then all of a sudden... The people from Iconian and even some from Antioch showed up at Lystra and that's when they stoned Paul. And they stoned Paul and drug him out of the city for dead. And that's, this is like, to me, one of the, I think one of the greatest parts of the Bible. And then he's not dead anymore. Right? Man, they go and they're praying and Paul gets up and I have, I have all kinds of images of my, in my head of that. It had to be like, it had to be one of the most tremendous times of ministry for those around Paul and I think for Paul, right? And Paul got up and then he went back in to Lystra and he shared that night. That's sort of where we left off. So now we're all caught up doing this missionary journey, right? And now we're coming to the end. And, you know, frankly, the Bible doesn't really tell us how long this was. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's a couple years as they were going along and, and doing things. And, you know, in, in each city they're spending some time. I don't think they were there because it, it only takes us a minute to read it, right? And we read it and we go like, well, they weren't there very long. We don't know how long they were there. So then after Lystra, at the end of verse 20, it tells us, because I think, I think 21's a, a, a bad break. At the end of verse 20, it says, And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconian, and Antioch. So listen, they went to, they went to Derbe, and all it tells us is, Hey, they preached the gospel and they made many disciples. We don't have a lot of information about Derby, which is, you know, to me, a little bit. I'm thinking, man, I would like to like, like know a little bit. By the way, Derby's a little further east. So they're kind of, you know, if, if you get into Asia Minor, they're kind of on that way. And here's the thing, as they go that little bit further east, they're getting closer to Paul's hometown of Tarsus. They're only about 160 miles away. Now, for us, that's no big deal. When you're walking, it's a, long, it's a ways, right? But then I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking, man. They're that close, and then they could go to Tarsus, and then they could come and drop down south and end up in Antioch. And that, to me, seems like the logical route to take, right? Let's just work our way back across the continent, you know, back across the, the land, stay on land, and go that way, especially if you're with Paul. You don't want to get in a boat. But listen, listen, let's just go that way. And yet, when they get to Derby, and God blesses that, they came up with this bright idea. Let's go back. Did you read that? It says, after Derby, it says, listen. It says, then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Those were the three places where they met the most opposition on this entire missionary journey. And they're going, let's go back. Now, I don't know whose idea that was. I don't know if it was Paul's idea telling Barney or Barney's idea telling Paul, but surely the one that came up with the idea, the other one's going, what, are you crazy? Why do we, what do we want to go back there for? Well, because some things needed to be done. Here's what I love, man. Paul, in his vision that God has given him for ministry and the calling in his life, Paul cannot be deterred from what God has called him to do. And Barnabas. I'm going to throw Barnabas in. These two guys, listen, these two guys are focused. They're, 
they're, you know, determined to finish and do what God has called them to do. You've got to love them, right? They're not going to be distracted by anything. They're not going to be distracted by, woo, let's go to my hometown. They're not going to be distracted by things weren't really good there. Should we really go back? I don't know about you guys, but I'm not sure I would want to go back in even after people stoned me to go back in that one night. But I'm not sure if I want to go back and visit. I mean, I would be kind of angry. I don't like those people, right? They wanted to kill me. So they want to go back, but you see, they didn't just want to go back just because let's be brave and go back. They wanted to go back to make sure the church was the church. Let's think about this. It's not been long since Jesus died, rose again. These men are out sharing the gospel. People are getting saved and what are they supposed to do after they get saved? How are, how are they supposed to function? Listen, there were no minister's manuals. There were no Bible colleges. There wasn't even the New Testament yet. And I'm sure Paul's heart was, and Barnabas, we've got to go back and make sure they're functioning. We don't want to just, listen, we don't want to leave people just saved and there you are. But here's, here's what I love. They want to leave churches behind established churches that's what they want to leave before they go now i think sometimes in modern missions we've kind of we've kind of lost that whole concept a lot of what i see in some modern missions are people want to go plant missionary stations not churches listen we need to plant churches that are going to grow and flourish as a church not as a extension of us as a church so Paul's going back. Here's what I love, man. Paul and Barnabas want to go back and make things, make sure things are okay in spite of what they had gone through, in spite of what had happened to them. So they're going back to those areas that says, and they want to go back, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. So here's what they want to do. They want to make sure they're strong. They want to make sure they can handle things, which part of this tells me they had to leave behind some doctrine as they left those places, because they wanted to strengthen them in the faith. It doesn't mean in the faith like I have faith, but it means in the faith of the body of works that I'm believing in. They wanted to make sure they were strong and steadfast and solid, so they went back, they wanted to strengthen them. And, you know, we might even use the term, thinking of that, that specific word the, the orig in original language, we, wanna, we wanna, might want to use the word, uh, they beefed it up. You know, when we're, we're coming alongside and we're trying to make something stronger and, and, and we work on it, we'll call that, man, i got to beef up that side. Well, they went and they, man, they made sure that was happening. And then I love the idea they were encouraging them, strengthening them in the faith, encouraging them in the faith, telling them, man, we got to keep going. Listen, Christianity isn't, wow, I gave my heart to Jesus and it's over. We have a journey, right? And I love the idea, man, we want to make sure their journey is the best possible journey ever. Now, sometimes we hear that and we're thinking that means life is easy, right? Check this out. Listen, it says, and they were uh, with them. They were exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must go through many tribulations, or we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. I probably should read that again for our generation, right? We must, you might underline the word must, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Wow. 
that really goes against a lot of at least American modern Christianity, doesn't it? A lot of people says God just wants to bless you and make your life wonderful and as easy as possible. And we kind of go that direction. And Paul here is saying, hey guys, I really want to encourage you. Now check this out. I want to encourage you. And here's how I'm going to encourage you. You need to know something. Through many trials and tribulations, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Thanks, Paul. That's really encouraging, right? But it's true. You see, and I believe we, because of the culture we're in, we want to resist that. That is, that is something that just kind of goes against the grain of who we are. We are a culture that tries to make everything as painless as possible. Whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, we just want, we just want to go through life without pain. And listen carefully. God designed pain to work in our lives. And Paul says, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, sort of what I like about that, I think, I think as he says many, I don't think he means one after another, after another, after another, specifically, I, I think that can mean. But I don't think he's talking so much quantity many. I think he's talking variety many. A lot of different things come our way, right? We like to say it this way, life happens. We're going through, and life happens to us. Most of us in America, we're not going to face full-on persecution. But we still have tribulations. Nonetheless, we still have life happening and things going on in our lives that we never, ever dreamt would happen to us. And all of a sudden, they're there. And you and I need to understand, God is, I believe, using those things in our lives to make us great people. Listen, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross to give us an easy life. Uh, you know, just this, you know, walking through utopia life. He came and died on the cross to make us better people. And that's what it's all about. And I love the idea that, that Paul brings this up to this church. And, and listen, man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is kind of crazy, right? As he brings it up. Listen to what he... Now listen, this is early on in his ministry that he said this, that this is down. Now, way late in his ministry, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can write this down, but in chapter 3, and in, in, I'm going to quote uh, 11 and 12, but he starts out telling Timothy, you need to copy me, I'm going to say, you need to, you, know, you need to copy me in my love and my perseverance, and, you know, and he's listing all these things. And then, he, listen, you also need to copy me in the persecutions and afflictions, and then he says, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Those are still scars in his life at the end of his life. But listen what he says about him. All of those, he says, what persecutions I endured, now check this out, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now I read what Paul went through and that doesn't sound like the delivered me that we think of delivering because when we think of God needs to deliver me, here's what we think. He needs to get me out of it, Right? But God walks us through those things, makes us stronger. And then he says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow. Same, same message, right? At the end of his life, that was at the beginning of his ministry, we've got to do that. So it should be no surprise to us when life happens. 
and life gets difficult. That shouldn't surprise us as Christians. So he lays that on them, tells them that. Now listen, and then, and then here's what else they're doing. So they have these three major cities they're working with. So they lay all that out. I don't know if they did it every time, you know, in every city. But then it says in verse 23, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So here's what's going on, man. First of all, Paul makes sure the church is strengthened and encouraged, or exhorted, if you will, same, same. He makes sure that's happening, and then he starts getting some structure to the church. Did you notice? What did he do? He appointed leadership. He put leadership in place in the churches. I think that's important. And now, now, here's what I'm thinking, man. These guys haven't been saved that long, right? They're pretty new believers, and yet that's all you have to work with, right? Again, no minister's manual, no Bible school. No, they didn't even have the school of ministry at Antioch yet. So listen, he finds these men that I'm sure he saw a calling in their life, made them leaders in the church so that the church would be the church, not an extension of Paul, not an extension of Barnabas, but would be a, an extension of Jesus Christ. And, and here's what I love, man. He took these guys, he put them there, and then, you know, listen, he, it says then, then they prayed and fasting. We'll get back to that. But then he commended them to the Lord. Now listen, I think, I think that part where he commended them to the Lord, I think it's talking about the Lord in whom they believed. I think it's talking about the churches, but I think it's also talking about those men. He didn't take the men that he put his leadership and commend them or bring them to the church. He commended them to the Lord. Here's what he's saying. You guys have to follow Jesus if you're going to lead this church. And you have to be in that, it's got to be in that order. Jesus has to be the ultimate authority in the church. You have to follow him. You have to be part of it. And then check this out. And the church has to follow the Lord to follow the leaders, don't they? Hey, here's what I found. When I quit following the Lord, my life gets a little messed up. I don't know about you guys. But I quit following the Lord and I quit trusting the Lord. Then I quit trusting people around me. I get suspicious of things going on. I start questioning things. I start wondering about things. But when my heart is focused on Jesus, listen, then I can trust those that Jesus has put in authority over me. So we see the whole structure. Now, I love this, man, because listen, here's what we're finding out. This thing, this thing, the church, number one, it's a God thing. It's a God institution. And I think in our modern times, again, we've sort of messed it up. But it's a God institution. And then it's also, here's what we need to recognize. You're not supposed to be doing this thing called Christianity as an individual solo sport. We'll put it that way. We're a team. We're together. And we need fellowship. Christian, the Christian life has to be lived in fellowship with other Christians. has to be. That's the way God designed it. And we need to be in fellowship with one another, functioning with one another. Each person bringing the gift that God has given them to be part of that and, and how important that is. And so now early, early, early on, we see this organization and some people listen. I know some people go, I don't like the church to be organized. Well, you've got to have some organization in an, in an organism, right? You don't have just, when you have an organism that's not organized, it, it goes all over the place. So you've got to have that. So listen, it, it's good 
And then I love just the idea that ultimately, ultimately, for the church, we've got to trust the Lord. I know in our fellowship here, when I came to, when I came to Calvary Chapel, Sierra Vista, and uh, we were out on Hereford Road, and at that time we had, uh, we had some bylaws that, that I didn't think were, were good bylaws. The, the bylaws were set up where it was a congregational-run church where you had to get together and have business meetings and people come together, people voted on everything, said what was going to happen. And my, my vision for the church is it should be elder-run, by God, by men, God has put over over His leaders. So we were changing the bylaws, and so we had to have a meeting, right, of people to vote to never vote again, right? Kind of a difficult situation, and and uh, some people are laughing. They were there, and and listen. So we come together, and we get ready, and and uh, you know we're doing a meeting, and and I didn't like those meetings anyway, because you know it can turn it can turn antagonistic in those things. So so listen, and then somebody got somebody like, hey, are you telling us we're gonna vote here now to never vote again, and you're asking us to trust you guys? And I like tried to spin it. I got to be really honest, man. In my mind, I'm trying to spin an answer, or trying to think of something, you know to say that would make it sound better. And then I thought, I can't think of anything. So I said, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what we're doing. And then some started, and I thought, oh, no, I've lost control, right? And one of the guys in our fellowship I love, one of the guys wasn't a leader, wasn't a proposed leader, any of that, but such a peacemaker. I always look at this guy. He's Mr. Peacemaker. And he stood up, and here's what he said. He says, Pat's not asking you to trust him. He's not really even asking you to trust the men. He's asking all of us to trust God in this situation. Man, and it took that and it went, shh. I thought, wow, that was good, right? So listen, <laughs> listen, but that's what Paul's doing here, right? He's not telling them, listen, as he's commending, he's not telling them, hey, you guys got to trust these men. I'm commending or committing all of this to the Lord. Even these men, I'm committing them to the Lord. I'm, I'm putting them before the Lord, not even before the body. So that happens. Listen, and then, and then it's like, okay, we're done. So verse 24, after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. So if you look on the map, listen, they kind of they did their circle, got to Derby, then they came back up to Antioch. Now they're going directly south and they're coming to some cities that I'm sure they, and they share the gospel and then verse 25 says though now when they read now when they preached the word in perga remember they went to perga and they didn't didn't seem like they shared much now on the return journey they're sharing and i kind of like that we don't get a lot of information and then it says listen and then they went down to uh adaliah and so now listen now they come down so adaliah's on the coast there over in that region and you just got to kind of jump in a boat and go across the mediterranean so they've done their circuit in that area. Again, in Paul's day, it would have been Galatia. And they got the churches going. They got them planted. They left them. And I, I, listen, I'm encouraged. I'm thinking, man, things are going to happen in that area. And once again, I think they did. If we read the book of Galatians, there wasn't, there wasn't great. You know, there was some rebuking, obvious rebuking going on. But also, here's what we know. There were churches there. Because if there weren't churches still there, you wouldn't have anything to rebuke, Right? And sometimes, listen, sometimes trouble means we're alive. I remember again when I first came to, uh, when I first planted the church in, in Bisbee and I called a pastor that I had kind of interned under up in Lake Arrowhead and, and I called him and I go, Tim, man, it's so hard. Some people are doing this and this and this. And he goes, well, praise God. And I go, well, <laughs> I don't like you. And I go, what do you mean, praise God? And he goes, hey, that means they're alive. 
And you don't have a church full of dead people. Yeah, huh? So listen, man, Paul and them, they come back, and so they get ready to sell. They're preaching there in Perga. They went down to Adaliah, and in verse 26, from there they sell to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. I underline completed. Here's what, man, I don't think there's anything greater than, than to know in your heart I've done what God has called me to do. Now that doesn't mean they're done, done. They know they're done with that part. And it's finished. It's done. And they know they completed it. They know they did it well. They went through there and man, I'll tell you what. I think as that ship sailed into there and they would have landed on the coast and had to walk up a little bit to Antioch. Now we're in Syria, Antioch, right? And and that part of it. Man, and I think they came up. I think the church is going, hey, Paul and Barney are back, right? They didn't have a means of, you know, they weren't watching them on Facebook or whatever to, to do it. So listen, man, they're back. And now Paul and Barnabas are back. And they came back. And here's what they're letting them know. Man, our journey was so amazing. Let's, let's read what they say. Verse 27. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them. Listen carefully. Paul and Barnabas didn't come back and say, we planted churches in these areas. They came back and said, God planted churches in these areas. And here's what I love. All that God had done with them. I believe... All of those cities, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, will never be the same ever again. Changed forever because of the gospel of Jesus Christ going into those cities. But you know what else I believe? I believe there's two guys, Paul and Barnabas, will never ever be the same. Never. From what God did with them. Not God did alongside them. God did with them personally. You see, things have to happen in the heart of individuals that are serving God for that message to get out. And God worked in them in phenomenal ways. And and they're sharing, man. They come back to the church. They're not taking any glory. They're giving all the glory to God. Don't you love that? And they're telling them, man, look what happened. And then then here's kind of the exciting part. Listen, he says, all that God had done with them and that He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now listen, a lot of people go, Come on, man. We've had the Gentiles since the, you know, the, the centurion there in Caesarea. We've had all of that stuff going on. No, but you haven't had Gentiles who were completely off the grid, let's say. They hadn't been influenced by Judaism in any way whatsoever. This is the first. And check this out. I think he's saying these are churches now that are run and led by Gentiles, not not Jews, not Gentiles converted to Judaism and then converted to Christianity. These are Gentiles. And, and listen, God opened that door and here it is, man. This is the opening and the beginning of salvation going out to the world because of Jesus Christ. I love that, man. And so they're letting them know, here's what we saw God do. And our minds are absolutely blown. So they come back and here's what they tell them. God did amazing things in every city we went in. I, I think I would have to stop and tell him, oh, by the way, just, just about me, I did get stoned in Lystra. Hit with rocks. Stoned. 
But yeah, I, I would have to tell people some of the stuff I went through, right? I don't think they did. And then listen, and all that God had done with them, and then he opened the door of faith in the Gentiles. And then I love verse 28. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. It's just kind of like Paul and Barnabas were sent out in the beginning of chapter 13. And there were leadership. Remember that leadership? They laid hands on them. And he said, separate now for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I've called them. And they sent them out. And now what did it say? When they came back, the work was completed. And they came back to the church. They weren't guests. They weren't, you know, they weren't people that, oh, come back. And no, I think they plugged right back in. They were right back where they left off. And they're back in the church and they're ministering and they're sharing and God is using them in the local body there in Antioch. And that's kind of a cool trip, right? So we did a whole trip again in, in a brief time in the beginning. We saw the end of the trip. And here's what I want us to take away from this. Number one, I think all of us should be praying and seeking the Lord. What do you have for me, God? What do you want me to do? What what am I supposed to do in this world? I think we should be asking Him that. And then here's the thing. When you find that, do that with all of your heart. I'm not saying that everybody's going to, you know, quote, have some kind of public ministry. You know, no telling what God's called you to do. I'm not even going to make suggestions because then some people will go, he's pointing his finger at me. But listen, find what God has called you to do and then do it and refuse. Listen carefully. Refuse to get distracted from what God has called you to do. It's so easy. It, easy, it can be easy to get distracted when huge things happen to you, but it can be easy to get distracted when just minor things happen to you. Now, I'm a person that I have a hard time focusing. I'm like all over the place. You can ask my wife. I'm just like, you know, and, and I'm always way ahead. And, you know, and, and I, I guess they call it certain diseases now. I just call it normal. <laughs> but listen, man, I, I do all of those things. And, and if I don't like lock myself away, if I don't shut my door and lock myself away, I'll get distracted really quick. And here's what I know, what God has called me to do. God has called me to teach His Word. So I have to put in a certain amount of time of study. Oh, and by the way, I love to talk to people. So if I don't kind of lock myself in there, shut my door, I'll be all over the place, and I know, and I'll get distracted. I'll be talking to people. I'll do things. And especially, man, when we were out on Hereford Road, like the main office was just on the other side of the door from my office, and I would catch myself at times going, trying to hear what's going on. Right, trying to be part of it. So don't get distracted. Now that's, that's a little one. That's not, that's not like persecution. But also then, here's some big ones. God may start tugging you in a direction you know you're not supposed to go. Oh, but here's what happens. Well, so-and-so's doing it and they seem pretty successful. Maybe I should do what they're doing. No, do what God has called you to do. Be Paul and Barnabas from this, man. Let's dig in and let's be people who are, you know, set our faces like flint, as the Bible says, to do what God has called us to do. And then lastly, always, always, always give him the glory. When it happens, you've got to give him the glory because he's a great God. Huh? I was thinking as we're singing those songs that Paul and Barnabas were probably singing some of those songs as they shared what, what God had done with them. And what an amazing time they had. So listen, now, now we're set. 
an exciting time in the book of Acts. Now we're set to, like, man, just shoot forward except one obstacle. There's still one obstacle we have to overcome, and we'll do that next week. I just kind of put that out there so you'll come back. But then, man, then the church is going to take off like crazy. Let's stand up and pray.